Hey everyone. Um, thanks, Ron, for uh, a really, really good presentation. I've been spending a lot of time in presentations about DAOs. I think it was one of the best intros um, I've seen. Um, so really, thank you. It was it was very great. Um, so I think that DAOs are one of the most interesting uh, topics um, around crypto because. It's basically the non-technical decentralized element of what, as a community, we're trying to build in crypto. And there are so many aspects, even politics, into DAOs, uh, which to me is really fascinating, seeing how it rolls out and how it progressed since maybe the first DAO attempt, which was a fail attempt where people break into the... Um, into the vault um, from, you know, looking at the perspective of um, politics and um, um, how you distributed voting, etc. So we'll try and explore all of those things from the positive side and the negative side and how we could basically do better maybe in the future. Uh, so just very, very quickly, I'm Amos Mayuri. Um, I sit on the uh, Horizon Foundation board as well as I'm um, uh, an investor in Node Capital. Previously, I was a builder in the crypto for in the past 11 years, uh, building protocols on Bitcoin in the beginning and some others after. Um, very, very quick introduction to each one of you, maybe. Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Dean Steinbeck. I'm a co-founder and the president at Horizon Labs. Um, I've been in crypto for a short time compared to some of our other, well, at least almost, I'm not sure about our other panelists. Um, but uh, yeah, so joined the space in, in 2017. DAOs have been extremely uh, an important part of the crypto journey, I think. Um, it's part of the learning process when you come into the space. Right now, I'm actually sitting on the board of the ApeCoin DAO. And so from that role, I've, I've had an inside view into exactly what it's like to be part of decentralized governance and happy to share about that today. Um, hey guys, my name's Alana. I work at Redbeard Ventures. We're a Web3 VC. Uh, we've made investments in Sandbox, Dapper Labs, Wilder World, Unstoppable Domains, and about 100 other Web3 crypto companies. Um, I'm part of a DAO as well, more of an investment DAO where we all pull our money together and decide to make proposal and in different investments in different uh, crypto and NFT projects. Um, but I'm excited to be on our panel with you all today. Hey everyone, uh, my name is Alejandro Castillo. I'm one of the BD Associates um, at Horizon Labs. Uh, my background is actually in engineering, but I uh, turned crypto um, late last year when I came to Horizon Labs uh, on the BD team working on all our tokenomics NFT projects, but uh, I've also been working on developing our internal DAO strategy for Horizon. So um, yeah, excited to talk DAO with everyone. All right. Uh, so many things to talk about, but um, uh, let's first, you know, I think it's the best way to understand DAOs is by examples. Um, so um, maybe each one of you like give an example of a DAO maybe is part of or is more associated with or is more <laughs> impressed with how it works um, and say why this is, this is a DAO that it wants 
other DAOs to take example for. But try and give some details so people will understand how it actually works. <clears throat> yeah, so um, the easiest example for me is to talk a little bit about the ApeCoin DAO, which uh, was created as part of the ApeCoin launch. And so, uh, and this is a common theme with fungible token launches. Um, a token is created and um, uh, the community is gathered around. Should we get a quick intro? <laughs> I'm Gerald, I'm a lawyer. Hi, everyone. <laughs> um, okay. yeah, I saw Gerald uh, late. No, but uh, we, we so have time. On. Sorry to interrupt. I'm everywhere. Sorry. Um, no, Gerald, please, welcome. Introduce yourself. We have time. Food is getting ready for us, so no worries. Welcome. Hi, so um, I work with a couple of DAOs uh, as a legal advisor, um, and I have a small fund that I run as well. It's called Red Clay Capital. We do sort of early stage uh, Web3 and, and heavily regulated industry investments. So, And apologies. Uh, we're all here. Thanks, Gerald. Um, so anyway, going back to ApeCoin DAO. So essentially, the DAO was created to manage a pool of tokens for the, for the benefit of the community. And so what that means is right now, there's approximately two or three billion dollars of ApeCoin tokens sitting in a treasury that's being managed by the community. And when I say by the community, I mean the community of ApeCoin holders themselves. Um, so proposals are submitted to the DAO uh, and the community itself votes on whether to accept or reject those proposals. And so at its core, the, the purpose of this particular DAO, and, and there are different DAOs that have different purposes, but the purpose of the ApeCoin DAO is to uh, essentially spend $3 billion worth of ApeCoin tokens to benefit the ApeCoin community. And I think that's a, a common example that we're seeing in the space today that tokens are created and used to generate value for other token holders. Thank you. We'll get into the voting part and you know, what is the right model. It feels sometimes that we're kind of like trying uh, democracy all over again. <laughs> so it's like going back and forth in the model. So we'll, we'll talk about it. So Elena, do you want to give your argument? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I know Rohan talked a lot before about what are DAOs, but for people who weren't here, they're decentralized autonomous organizations. Basically, they're run by the community. Um, they pool money together, then the community makes proposals, and then people vote on decisions that should be made. So um, one that I find interesting that's actually turning into a DAO but isn't yet a DAO is Wagme United. Um, so what they did was they pulled money together to buy a soccer team and then eventually they're going to be creating this structure where they're going to be deciding on uh, what team to actually go ahead and acquire, then the different um, players that they want to go and acquire and people who are part of the DAO could actually go ahead and vote on these different players and then also just be part of this community. But I think the biggest benefits of this is everybody has a say in terms of who they're going to acquire and what they're going to vote on and um, all in all, it's very uh, verifiable and everything can be actually seen through the blockchain. 
Um, and yeah, I want to keep it kind of basic. I saw uh, the other day a really interesting way to describe DAOs online. It's, uh, it said a DAO is like a group chat with a bank account. So in <laughs> its most basic terms. Um, I think a really interesting DAO that, that really encompasses just the idea of a DAO, the basics of it, was the Constitution DAO. I'm sure some of you guys have heard of it. It was essentially a Twitter meme. Back in the day, this group of people wanted to purchase one of the, the 13 original copies of the US Constitution. Um, and they got a group of people together to pull money for it. And they created, um, they created the DAO. Unfortunately, they were not able to purchase it at the auction. But I think that project really encompasses what a DAO is, just people coming together towards like a common goal. Yeah, um, so a couple of my buddies are the guys who, who kicked that off um, and it was a really interesting, uh, I guess very organic process. Um, and I think that's what DAOs are, right? DAOs are, are incredibly organic and they're, they're ways for people to come together with a bank account and do interesting things. Um, the two that I'm excited about I think are sort of public benefit DAOs. We're seeing a lot of development in that space. Um, seeing a lot of interest in intellectual property, so the DSI movement, um, you know, where, where people are coming together and funding academic research that may have been underlooked by sort of traditional uh, grant writing or financial organizations. And then single purchase acquisition DAOs are, are incredibly interesting and I think they uh, have the structure to, uh, to do some really interesting things as well. All right, thank you. Um, so I heard a few things here, like for example, you know, everyone have a say, and you know, people are able to vote, and people are able to get her, to get together. Um, of course, there are many, many issues with you know, um, if you give everyone a vote, it might not be the right vote, uh, right? So you starting to see different type of model kind of like forming. It's kind of like we're going back into electors and like, right? It's, it's, it's like politics all over again, right? Just from saying, okay, we're totally decentralized. Everyone are equal. We're getting back um, kind of like to um, uh, politics and democracy models that we've seen. We're just saw them when we're copy pasting them. So, um, Dean, like, what do you think about that? Um, I think Apecoin is a very interesting one because of obviously they manage a lot of money, a lot of people are involved, the community is very, very engaged. So how do you think about the right model for giving people a voting um, right? Uh, should it be equal? Should other people have you know more power of voting because they're investing more time in the project, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, so right now, the way ApeCoin DAO is set up, it's one coin, one vote, and um, actually, what we've seen is extremely low participation. So there was a study just done, and I think only nine people or nine token holders have voted in every AIP, which is APE Improvement Proposal. So voter turnout is extremely low, which I think is typical of democracy. And so ApeCoin DAO, like many DAOs, is going through the growing pains of democracy. So what we have is a large base of people who don't want to take the time to read every proposal and to vote on them. There's no incentive for them to do so. Um, so now people are starting to think, okay, how can we incentivize people to vote? How do we delegate votes so that there's greater participation? And so we're going through all of those steps 
And my assumption is at one point there will be delegation, there will be voter incentivization. Um, I would say the, the biggest concern that I see, and I'd be curious to hear what, what you guys think, is essentially voter bribing is now uh, a big part of Dow proposals, which I think is uh, hugely negative. And what I mean by it is, so I can make a proposal that wants to do whatever, and then I add a clause in the proposal that says anyone who votes yes gets tokens. So it's essentially a bribe. Anyone who votes yes for my proposal gets paid five ApeCoin or 10 ApeCoin or 100 ApeCoin or whatever it is. And so now all of a sudden people who really don't care about what it is that I'm proposing will vote yes because they just want to get bribed. And we're seeing this at a much larger scale with Curve and other uh, DAOs. And uh, you know, it's kind of, it's taking democracy to its lowest form, literally just bribing people. So anyway, there, I think that there has to be a solution for that. I don't know exactly what the solution is, but that's the biggest problem that we face. Anyone else want to add at that point? Yeah, I, th I, I think uh, Dean highlighted a great issue, which is, uh, you know, we joke, everybody wants the right to vote, but nobody wants to vote, right? Um, you know, we see that in politics, we see it in, uh, you know, in DAOs as well. And I think it's, it's really challenging to incentivize people without turning your project into a security. I think that's the other sort of regulatory issue that, that we face, um, is that if, if you're directly benefiting uh, you know, from, from some kind of uh, structure that, that rewards you for participating. You know, you could, you, the, the SEC has, has been liberal with that interpretation. Um, so I, I think it's, it's uh, a really challenging problem where how do you maintain engagement and how do you keep the DAO going without it sort of devolving or, or turning into a core team issue on every proposal, right? Like that's, uh, I, I don't think that's something that ever, anyone has really figured out yet. Yeah, and this goes hand in hand with what you were saying, but a lot of self-interested proposals. So we're talking a lot about having DAOs within the government system and if that would be possible. And if you're somebody who puts a lot of money into your taxes and then you have more of the voting rights, then <laughs> if you decide to make a proposal that's obviously maybe to go fix a road by your house or do something that's self-interested, well, it's easy for you to have the majority of votes if you're the one putting in more money. And eventually for people who want things done and who don't care about the money, it's easy for them to go ahead and have more of those proposal rights to get things done. So apart from just people not voting and not having those people in, there's also a part where a lot of these proposals are just for their self-benefit. I mean, those are the things that get me excited about DAOs because there are so many issues to solve, so many problems to solve. So I'm my entrepreneurial uh, animal, <laughs> like trying to, 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 to think about how, how people are going to solve that. And I think there are so many opportunities um, there, like sitting, because there is also so much money locked in all of those treasuries looking for such solutions. So I think it's a fascinating area and we'll see a lot of growth like during the next years. Um, let's maybe talk a little bit about the initiation of it now, right? Because, you know, Ron mentioned, you know, everyone can go and just uh, um, open and decide that they have a Discord channel and say, okay, I have a DAO. Um, but DAOs also initiated to kind of like overcome regulatory 
issues or try to overcome regulatory issues um, to being decentralized. And there is kind of like a conflict between, you know, um, how do I start? <laughs> because someone needs to start it. So what is the right time to become a DAO? Do I want to become DAO from the first stage? Is it, is it even possible to do that? Um, so let's maybe talk a little bit about you know, the forming of a DAO from, I don't know, being an organization, starting a foundation, the foundation is being resolved, turning into a DAO. <laughs> There's so many, so many use cases, so many uh, things happening. Um, and maybe Alejandro, you, you, you can start like seeing, like what do you see in terms of how DAOs are being formed? Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely not a not a straightforward process, um, as we've seen uh, at Horizon Labs with uh, with a couple of the projects we've worked on. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. There's definitely the the foundation, as you said, making sure there's a, there's an entity behind the DAO. There's also a lot of building blocks um, to lay down in terms of the actual management of the DAO, which is in itself a full time job. Um, that's one of the pieces I think is, is kind of lacking in the space. Uh, it's really hard to find services or um, you know, people that, that have experience and can manage a DAO. Um, other than that, uh, to start up, I'd say finding the right governance structure is also a roadblock. Finding the right, setting the right quorum for voting, setting the right um, you know, approval rate for proposals. And then finally, finding the right tools to use within the DAO. Um, you know, one of one of the other big issues I see is that there's so many tools that you have to use, whether it be Tally for vote delegation, or Snapshot for off-chain voting, or um, Discord, Discourse. It goes on. It's a lot um, to to keep track of. And I think Dean, you you might be able to uh, add some more detail to the entity side. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think the the first question for DAO is, is there a legal structure associated with it? So uh, there are different ways to set up DAOs. We've seen a number of different uh, options and people take different courses. Um, you know, with ApeCoin DAO, and, and sorry to use that as my only example, but it's a good one because it's one of the largest DAOs. Uh, they created, there, there was an entity, a Cayman Foundation, an actual entity created and the DAO has voting rights to be able to uh, utilize the tokens sitting in the treasury. There are other DAOs, and I know Gerald is, uh, you know, deep in this space, but there are DAOs that don't have an entity. They don't have a legal structure around them. And so although the process with using Snapshot and distributing assets might be the same, there are legal issues surrounding that. Like, so what is a DAO if there's no legal entity? And who's responsible if there's a problem? So for example, if the DAO votes to do something with the money that's illegal, how, how is that governed? How is that managed? How is it regulated? So there are a lot of risks involved. And um, I, I don't think there's a solution yet. This is a new industry, and, and we're finding different paths. Yeah, I, I think um, one, of the, one of the things that a lot of founders maybe don't understand or are figuring out now is that if you don't decide what you are, the government will decide for you. Um, and, and generally, that means that you're going to default to a general partnership where everybody is, is jointly liable, right? And so what we're seeing now is a lot of innovation, I guess, in the legal space for rappers where 
Um, you, you know, Wyoming came out with some legislation. It was interesting. Uh, it, it didn't quite meet uh, the standards that the tried and true sort of Delaware LLC model. We see a lot of a lot of DAOs going that route now. Um, but that's the issue, right? Is is how do you uh, you know how do you open yourself to regulation as something that you know wants to be decentralized and autonomous? Like that's it's sort of counterintuitive. Um, but I, I am excited about, uh, I think, what people are trying out. I think Cayman Foundations are very interesting. Um, I, I, I tend to, I guess, there's sort of a bifurcation that's happening, which is, um, one is, hey, we want to be regulated. We want to do this thing where either we're going to have a security or we're going to be a 501c3. We're going to be a, a nonprofit. Um, if we're buying something, right, it looks a lot like an SPV. Um, and then you just sort of defer governance to the Discord or the Snapshot or, or whatever you want to do. And then for a public benefit, um, that's also relatively understandable from a legal structure is, is you're, you're looking at uh, all of the sort of same regulations that, you know, a, a charity that, you know, that the, a, a regular foundation would have. Um, and then there's this huge gray area in the middle that I don't think anyone has really figured out yet. Uh, do we have more time or where? So we do have uh, some minutes to take a couple of questions. I, I actually have a question myself, but I'll let you guys finish. I, I actually have like one quick question that I'm really curious, sure. curious to, to hear what the panel have to say. We, we can answer very, very quickly. Uh, let's say I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, okay? Um, and I want to build tools for DAOs. Should I be a DAO myself or can I create like a centralized platform, whatever, and expect to sell it to DAOs? Um, I guess I'll start on this one. So one of our biggest investments at the fund is Zero Tech, which is an end-to-end -end DAO infrastructure. It's from the founders of Wilder World, and they are actually a DAO within itself. So to answer your question, they're actually doing that right now, and it's really interesting to see how they're performing and what they're doing. But based on everything that we're seeing with their strategy, uh, we feel like they are able to be a DAO and function as a DAO, then also have this end-to-end -end DAO infrastructure to help with your tokens, to help actually build a DAO. I agree. But what do you guys think, very quickly? Um, so I would just say, um, for me, my preference would be if you're creating software and selling software, that you're a for-profit entity focused with traditional corporate governance. Because I've seen the DAO process is slow, it's difficult, it's clunky, and I don't think at this point it lends itself well to a for-profit business. Yeah, I, I, I would uh, echo that. I think it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, right? I think some, some organizations do it for, for marketing purposes, and it makes sense, but um, I, I don't think, I can think of several service providers to DAOs that are are just regular Delaware C Corps. Um, and, you know, if, if you're providing a service, then uh, I think DAOs will be happy to work with you, you know, whether you have a token or not. I think. Yeah, and I just, again, echo that as well. Not, not, I don't think every single thing needs to be become a DAO just because there really has to be a, a good use case behind it. There has to be a group of people. Um, so, yeah. All right. Thank you. Any questions? Everyone wants to? Yes, yes. Oh, wait. Go for it. So, um, 
Give me a sec. I'll bring you one mic. Thank you, thank you. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, please. So two of the three-letter acronyms I haven't heard together are DAO and Know Your Customer and Anti-Money Laundering. And one of the things that we noticed uh, at the foundation for Horizon, it's very difficult to get a bank account or to get an exchange listing without people that are kind of going to take the responsibility for the organization. So DAOs exist, it appears to me, within the wonderful world of DeFi, where you don't have to intersect with nation-state money systems. Um, I'll throw this question open to, to anyone. So are DAOs going to stay in those areas or are there progress being made so that a decentralized autonomous organization can work in conjunction with nation state rules and paying people in what's currently accepted fiat money that you pay your bills with? Um, so that's a great question, Rolf. Uh, I think the, the question, so the question is, uh, how will DAOs, if they're truly decentralized, interact with uh, banking, traditional banking, to pay bills, use dollars, use fiat? And it's very challenging, which I think is why many DAOs now are going through the, the route of forming actual legal entities, right? So ApeCoin DAO is a Cayman Foundation. As a Cayman Foundation, it has uh, legal directors, and they're able to form bank accounts, so they're able to pay bills in U.S. dollars, et cetera, et cetera. Other DAOs, uh, like the ones Alejandro was talking about, aren't able to do that. And so for them, their world is limited to their ability to pay in crypto and to operate in DeFi. So I think we're seeing a bifurcation of uh, DAOs between those that are trying to interact in, in the real world and those that are just happy to participate uh, in DeFi and, and crypto. Okay, just a quick follow-up. So the directors are appointed by the DAO and then they can open bank accounts? Because, I mean, when I help to open bank accounts for, for Horizon, they're like, yeah, we need your passport and we need you to sign that you got responsibility and stuff like that. I mean, these are, these are hard and fast requirements if you want to participate in that world. Yeah, exactly. So as a director of a Cayman Foundation who wants to open a bank account, you'd have to provide a passport and... KYC and AML and all that. So directors uh, are, appoint are voted by the DAO in this case, and they do so with the understanding that they're accepting that responsibility. And that's why there's governance in place. So for example, uh, the, the special counsel of the ApeCoin DAO exists to ensure that the DAO is not allowed to vote for anything that would be considered illegal. So if the DAO voted to use the funds to, you know, create a heroin or a meth lab or something like that, that the, the council would say that's not legal and therefore this can't be voted. This cannot be approved. That's a great development. It removes some of the autonomous element of the DAO. It turns into more decentralized governance. So I think the term is not correct, but that's an exciting development. Thank you. We have time for one more question. Um, sorry, okay, two questions, so yes, ask quickly and answer quickly, thank yeah, you, because hi. I know everybody's hungry. <laughs> yeah, we just saw regulation and, and laws is, is very important. I mean, could you give us a, an overview of maybe, Gerald, um, you know, on you know, countries, you know, whether it's Europe or the US, you know, France, Switzerland, I mean, there seems to be competing, you know, um, but maybe there's a lot more pressure in the US to regulate because of the size of the financial market. Yeah, I, I, um, 
I think that there's, there's actually a really interesting uh, sort of two-way conversation happening. Uh, there are DAOs that have realized that, you know, we, we have two or 300 years of precedent in corporate governance, right, of, you know, established corporate entities and, and the way things work. And um, I think DAOs have gone through sort of this painful learning process of like, you know, maybe we should be, uh, you know, forming boards, having, you know, uh, a foundation, having a legal wrapper, um, and, and subjecting ourselves to that because it makes life easier, right? There's, you know, democracy is messy and, and DAOs are messy. Um, and then on, on the other side, you, you do have the SEC coming in and, and saying that uh, almost any token is, is going to be treated like a security, right? And so, so you have to play the game. That's just the way it is in the United States. You have to, you have to play by the rules, but we're all kind of making up the rules in this space uh, right now. So I would say that I, I think the challenge is how do you manage an organization? How do you provide value to a community? Um, and how do you find a structure that fits with the existing sort of rules of the game, right? And, and we're all kind of figuring that out. And there are, I mean, there's, there's great rules for, you know, Cayman Foundations or, you know, Guernsey Trusts or, you know, Swiss, you know, Varian Foundation. There's, there's a lot of, uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, sort of buckets out there, right? Corporate entities are just kind of empty buckets and, and the government tells you what you can and can't put in them. Um, and so I think it's really interesting that DAOs are experimenting and saying, well, what if we do it this way? And, you know, what if we do it that way? Um, and I wish I had a clearer answer. Uh, maybe Dean has something or someone else on the panel has, has something that's a little more uh, definitive. But um, I'm excited that we're moving in the right direction, right? I talk to more DAO founders now, um, which is kind of an oxymoron, right? The founder of a DAO. But um, th who want to be want to be in line with the rules, who don't want to go, you know, uh, kind of pirate radio with it. Like, they, they do want to play by the rules, but nobody knows what the rules are right now. All right, yes, one more question. Thank you so much. All right. I'll make it really quick. Um, <clears throat> you, you all have mentioned quite a few different inclusion mechanisms into DAOs. Uh, and into, let's say, the directors of a specific corporation that the DAO is voting on. What about exclusion mechanisms? Have you dealt with people getting kicked off, getting banned from a DAO of bad actors in that way? I, just brief, so there's two mechanisms, right? One is the rage quit, right? Which is, I, you burn your tokens, you're out of the DAO. Um, the other one, I do, so it's really interesting. Uh, there was a, there was recently a venture fund uh, who invested in a DAO um, where their, their stake was essentially vetoed via proposal. Um, and that's kind of terrifying for predictability and economic reasons. And, um, but no, I think, I mean, if it, it's, it's, uh, you want to avoid reinvention of the wheel, right? Where it's not necessary. Um, and I think you do see that in DAOs where you can't take someone's tokens, but you could easily propose, you know, that someone uh, as a bad actor be, be removed from a DAO. And, and if it passes via consensus, then, you know, I, I guess that's, you know, sort of defeat by design, but kind of how it works. Actually, I think Rohan mentioned a, an example of that where uh, 
the, the DAO didn't want its members selling tokens. And so somebody tried to sell their token and the DAO voted to basically kick that person out. And uh, I don't know if they froze the token or they took the token, but that's an example of you know, the DAO excluding certain people based on their behavior. And I w that is also super interesting from a smart contract perspective um, to be able to, uh, to program a mechanism that if you do try to transfer the tokens, they'll be burned or they'll be sent to a different wallet or something like that. Like that is actually one of the attractive mechanisms in a DAO. All right. Thank you, everyone. Bon appetit. Thank you. Thanks, everybody.